0: on any worshipers in the building tonight anybody grateful has the lord done anything for anybody in the building come on all the real worshipers the people who don't need a worship team the people who don't need cheerleaders to help you worship the king of kings and the lord of lords come on god we give Funny, I now live in the South. The South. S-O-U-F. I now live in the South, but I'm a transplant, Pastor Ethan. I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm originally from whew, a place I hope I'll never have to go back to. I've I've repented from snow and being mean. <laughs> I moved to the South a couple of years ago. It was a bit of a culture shock. Uh, the biggest piece of culture shock is that growing up in Boston, Massachusetts, I never saw a gun. If you live in Boston, Massachusetts, the only people who have guns are people in gangs or police officers. And then I moved to the South. Everybody and their grandmama got a gun down her. Okay. Everybody got guns. Everybody. And so for the first couple of months, you know, I had I had a little cultural whiplash. I met my friend Anderson's house. Homeboy wanted to show me Ooh, all nine of his guns. I went from seeing zero guns to nine in one hour, okay? He had a gun for his hip, he had a gun for his ankle, he had a gun for his wife's pocketbook. This man had a hunting rifle, because we eat Bambi down here, baby. Okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you can't tell, I have assimilated. <laughs> I love it down here. Uh, and so, he had a, and he had a shotgun. He had a shotgun. Now, you know, my northern brain doesn't know how to really understand any of this information. And so, I don't know if he's threatening me or telling me that if I ever get into a jam, he's the guy to call. I I don't know, I don't know what Anderson is communicating. And so I said to Anderson, why do you have this shotgun? You got all these other guns, they seem sufficient, but why do you have this shotgun? He said, Manny, actually, um, the shotgun is the most important gun that I have as it pertains to my home defense. He said, if I heard someone on the outside of my house Tinkering with my lock if I heard someone on the outside of my house Threatening to steal kill or destroy me my family or any of my possessions if I heard someone if I heard an intruder On the outside of my house, and I could tell it was a threat by how it sounded All I'd have to do is get my shotgun and Manny I would move to the inside of the very same door They were attempting to intrude upon and as soon as they hear this sound Chh they would become keenly aware we've messed with the wrong house tonight. As Anderson was speaking to me physically, the Holy Ghost started speaking to me spiritually, letting me know this, that it's the sound we release from the inside of the house that lets the devil know you messed with the wrong church tonight. Are there any worshipers in the building who understand that worship is a weapon and that praise has power. Are there any worshipers in the building? We declare that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, that the righteous run in and find safety. I don't know what intruder is on the outside of the door, but we declare there's peace in here, joy in here, provision in here, deliverance in here, salvation in here. God, we believe that you inhabit the praises of your people. So God, we believe that our praise has created a throne for you. Sit, sit in the middle of our drama, sit in the middle of our pain, sit in the middle of our disappointment, and God, we declare by the time service is over, it's gonna be better than how the situation was when we walked in here. God, we give it to you. We give your name all the glory. We give your name all the honor and all the praise. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you in advance. God, we ask that preaching would be easy tonight, that the anointing of the Lord would break the stronghold of the enemy. God, we don't want anyone leaving tonight saying, man, that guy, Pastor Manny, He he preached a good word, he did a good job. No, we want everyone to leave saying, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. In a unique way, in a powerful way. God, would you do what only you could do? Would you break strongholds? Would you break the back of the enemy? Would you take the taste of alcohol and drugs out of our mouths supernaturally? Would you release captives? God, we thank you. We love you. Speak prophetically, speak precisely. Your servants are listening. So God, we want you to speak. And we release you to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, and we all say together, amen, amen. Come on, who's full of expectation? Amen, amen, amen. You can high five your neighbor, and you can tell them they look good even if they don't. Come on, this is a faith church. We speak those things that be not as though they were. If you keep telling your neighbor they look good, one of these days, they will look good. Uh, You may not have noticed, uh, but I'm black. Uh, I'm black, I'm black every day. I'm black, I'm black, can't stop it, you know, I'm, I'm black. 24 hours a day, I'm black, okay? And so um, that means I grew up preaching at a black church, okay, anybody ever been to a black church? Come on, black church, black church, black church. Uh, I grew up preaching at a black church, okay? And at a black church, there's no ambiguity or confusion about whether or not you're doing a good job or a bad job when you're preaching. Now, God's, God's elevated us and sometimes, you know, I don't only preach at chocolate churches, I'd be at some of these vanilla churches, you know? And uh, I can be in the lobby and some, a brother will come out and say, brother, that was amazing. That, and, I, and I respond and say, I couldn't tell. Cause you was real quiet while I was preaching, you know? Acting real Presbyterian, you know? And so, um, so I always love to tell people at a black church, there's no confusion as to whether you're doing a good job or a bad job. Cause we got church mamas at a black church. Church mamas, okay, church mamas. If you're doing a bad job at a black church, a bad job means your jokes ain't funny, a bad job means you stretching the text and taking it out of context. Church mama ain't never been to seminary, but somehow she know when she hear heresy, okay? So, So if you're at a black church and you're doing a bad job, one of the church mamas will stand up, typically they're sitting in this section over here, Sometimes wearing a little doily cap on their head, depending upon the denomination. Anyway, uh, if, if you're at a black church and you're doing a bad job, church mama will stand up in the middle of your sermon and go, help him, Holy Ghost. <laughs> to which Pastor Ethan, a- as a preacher, you're not even mad at the church mama. You're like, you know what? Lord, please answer that church mama's prayer. I know this sermon is bad, okay? (laughs) Help me out, okay? But if you're preaching good at a black church, one of them church mamas will stand up and just look at you like something stank, okay? (laughs) A church mama will begin to shout things at you. Like, boy, you better preach. Say it again. Say it again for the folks in the back. Yes and amen. Make it plain, preacher. Make it plain. And my favorite thing that a black church mom will say is this, is take your time, pastor. Take your time. Take your time. Now, 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 here we go. Here we go, I'm gonna give you some news, okay? There's some of us, some of us in the room who woke up black today. Any black folks in the room? Come on, you woke up black. Come on, come on. Make some noise, act like you're proud. Be black, come on. Here we go. Some of us, some of us, you woke up black on the outside. Some of us, your black is hidden real down deep on the inside. So, so here we go. We're gonna make an agreement tonight um, as, pro- as long as you promise to act as black as possible, I promise to act as white as possible, and I'm gonna preach this in 30 minutes flat, okay? Because the church I grew up in didn't have no clock. There wasn't a timer or a run sheet. We didn't, we just, church was over when it was over. Okay, so here we go. I dub the all black. Everybody black tonight, okay? You black, you black. You black, you black. Woo! Sister up there, I don't know who you are, but you black, you black today. You wasn't black when you woke up this morning, but you black now, you black. But it's, it's, um, it's Cinderella black. It's over at midnight, you ain't black tomorrow. So, don't try to carry this over to tomorrow. You- So if you wanted to dunk or dance or something, you, you got tonight, okay? You get that out your system. <laughs> Ooh, oh God, I got so many jokes I could make. That's, that is amazing. Um, but I'm insanely honored to be here. Um, who loves your pastors? Pastor Ethan and Lena, man, I love you. Uh, the church loves you. Um, I was uh, driving in and you guys just celebrated two years of being here, is that right? And um, the gentleman that drove me in was not paid to say this. Nobody coerced this man to say this. He said, man, this is the healthiest the church has ever been. Um, And it was a gentleman that had been here for 12 years that said that to me. And uh, that is a testament to your leadership. Good church does not happen on accident. Good church doesn't just coincidentally happen. (laughs) Uh, Good church takes vision and strategy and getting people on the same page and prayer and sacrifice. And sometimes for a senior pastor, invisible sacrifices behind the scenes that nobody really sees. And so we honor you for your sacrifice. The Bible says that anyone who leads the church well is worthy of double honor. So we honor the both of you and we love you. Thank you. Thank you so much for leading the church well. Come on. The church loves you guys. The church loves you guys. It's a healthy thing to honor leaders. So we love you. Thank you for having me. You stuck with me at this point. At first, I didn't know, you know, pastor invited me to Columbus, Mississippi. I was like, yeah, man, sure, let's do it. Then I walked up and her, and I was like, what's going on in Columbus, Mississippi? So. You stuck with me. I will come back anytime. This is amazing. And uh, diverse and full of faith. You can feel the faith in the room. Um, I got news. I got news. On on June 8th, uh, 2024, I will graduate with my doctorate. I'll graduate as Dr. Manny Arango. I'm really excited about that. I'm super excited about that. And I intentionally told you that information with no context, just, Laid it on you, just threw it out there. Just gave you no context. Really because we're gonna do a little social experiment because now I'm going to give you. 18 people tracking with me, come on. I'm gonna give you. Context. context. Context, Here's a context of why me graduating with my doctorate on June 8th, 2024 is so vitally important. Here's a context. My father was incarcerated for 18 years in Cuba before immigrating to this country, the United States of America. Upon immigrating to this country, after being in prison for 18 years, my father uh, got connected with his uncle who was a drug dealer at the time. My father started dealing drugs. My father started casually using drugs, recreationally using drugs. My father became addicted to crack cocaine and my father took me to a crack house for the first time when I was five years old. It was not the last time my dad took me to a crack house. It was not the only time that my father took me to a crack house. On my mama's side of the family, my mama uh, was pregnant with my older sister when she was 12 years old. Gave birth to her at 13. Was pregnant again with my older brother at 14. Gave birth at 15. All three of my aunts, my mother's sisters, are prostitutes, and all five of my uncles, my mother's brothers, are alcoholics. I've met all of my cousins through glass because they were incarcerated when I met them. I am the first Arango to graduate with a bachelor's degree. I'm the first Orango to graduate with a master's degree. I'm the first Orango to look every generational curse in its face and declare that the blessing of Abraham is on my life, that I am not a victim, that I am victorious. I'm the first Orango to have kids after marriage, not before marriage. I'm the first Orango to own property. I'm the first Orango to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, be baptized in water and in fire. I'm the first. A wrangle to not be defined by the neighborhood I grew up in or the family tree that I'm attached to, but by the power of God on my life. I came to preach to somebody tonight. You think God gave you the wrong mama or the wrong dad and you've used that as an excuse? We break every generational curse. Off of your life, you are blessed. You're blessed from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. You're blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in a pandemic, blessed in a recession. I'm blessed despite the family I come from. And if God has blessed you, no one can curse you. How dare you call yourself a victim and simultaneously identify with a victorious God. So on June 8th, 2024, I'll graduate with my doctorate. And now that you have context, you now see that I will not just walk across the stage and receive a degree, but I will be furthering to laugh in the enemy's face. And declare your statistics and limitations have absolutely nothing to do with me. <laughs> that ain't got nothing to do with me. You must be talking about somebody else. I don't know who you're talking about. You see how, with no context, I got golf claps. <laughs> then I messed around and gave you what? Content. And I got a standing ovation. Yeah. You see how the content by itself is not what transformed your understanding, but the con text actually began to transform the words that were coming out of my mouth. Context, context is everything. Context, context, Uh, context. Every husband that's been married for longer than two months understands context. Good husbands are masters of context because context understands that there is a difference between what someone says and what somebody means by what they say. Context. 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 Uh, A good husband understands that there is a huge difference between, yeah, I'm okay, and yeah, I'm okay. (laughs) Same content. Massively different context. Come on, a rookie husband, a rookie husband will fall for this trick. You don't got to get me nothing for Christmas. (laughs) A rookie husband will get stuck up on the content. But a veteran husband is like, you ain't about to play no Jedi mind tricks on me. (laughs) I am not about to show up on Christmas empty handed cause your birthday is in March and you sent me links in September. (laughs) Come on, am I the only husband? I just get sent links. Amazon links random websites. I never seen links restoration hardware links just links. Here's the link no explanation But the link means if I get a link in September and the birthday was already in March That link mean this my Christmas gift (laughs) So on December 1st when homegirl comes out the side of her head talking about you don't got to get me nothing for Christmas Don't be distracted by the content. You have to put the content into context. Has anybody ever experienced the frustration of being taken out of context? Oh, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Have you ever said something to someone only for them to then gossip about what you said to them, and then because gossipers gossip to gossipers, the gossiper ended up coming back to you, and anybody ever, got you quoted to you from somebody who heard what you said to somebody else. Girl, I heard you said fill in the blank. And and they got the content right. But the person who gossiped about what you said conveniently left out what they said (laughs) that prompted you to say what you said. They did not give details surrounding how you said it why you said it, where you said it, and what you said in response to, they left out the? Context. And now they're quoting you to you, and here's what you always want to say to someone. Yes, I did say that, but let me explain why I said what I said, because you can make anybody sound crazy if you take them out of? Context. 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 Yeah, Pastor Ethan, you probably you know, understand this because we're preachers and the more you talk, the more opportunities there are for people to take you out of context. I get taken out of context a lot. One uh, day I was, uh, I was on stage talking about fear. I was like, you can't let fear get you down. You can't let fear paralyze you. You can't let fear stop you know, what you're gonna do. You gotta overcome fear. And I did this whole sermon on fear, Baby, I got off stage feeling so good. I was like, we rebuked every spirit of fear up in this church. Woman came up to me, it was a, a teenage girl. She said, pastor, I'm so happy you preached on fear. My boyfriend's been trying to get me to have sex with him and now I'm no longer afraid. I'm gonna give this joker my virginity. I said, you taking me out of context, baby. I ain't talking about you having sex. Ba- baby, that's sin, uh-uh, we rebuked that. You need to be afraid. We we. Fear come back, where the fear at, where the fear go? I know we cast it out, but it needs to come back. Baby, you need to be scared. Scared of STDs, have you heard of syphilis? (laughs) Context, context. Context. If you've ever communicated with anyone, come on, there's a vast difference between what someone says and what somebody means by what they say. Mary understands context. Come on, Mary, the mother of Jesus. She gets to a wedding, they're running out of wine, and Jesus says, why do you even involve me? Woman, this ain't got nothing to do with me. My time has not yet come. And Mary gets a no from Jesus. But Mary understands that there's a difference between what God says and what God means by what God says. And by the time the story is over, Mary doesn't take Jesus literally because if she had been taking Jesus literally, she would have taken her seat back at table number 14 and said girl I tried I'm sorry but what she did is she heard a no from Jesus and put it into context and said let me go ahead give you some servants just in case what I really heard was a yes I wonder are there any believers who have a relationship with the Lord where the Lord can say to you why do you even involve me my time has not yet come and you are not distracted by the content of what God said but you can discern the context that what god really means is fast about it press in for it pray a little bit longer that god is actually not saying no to you but testing how bad you really want the thing that you're asking for Matthew chapter 15, there's a Canaanite woman, ooh, and she needs her daughter to be healed of demonic possession. She comes to Jesus, she comes correct. Lord, have mercy on me, my daughter is suffering terribly. I need you to do a miracle. Jesus ignores the woman, calls her a dog, says she's not the right race, but the woman don't care about the content of what Jesus is saying. She's not deterred by the content of what Jesus is saying. She presses through the content Content, to put it in context. And by the time the story is over, the woman has the audacity to say, even a dog can get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus responds and says, oh baby, you got great faith. Cause great faith doesn't take no for an answer. Great faith knows how to wrestle God all night long until you get the miracle you came for. Great faith. It's persistent faith. Great faith is stubborn faith. Great faith is, is, is single dude at a Christian college faith. <laughs> Ain't nobody got faith like single Christian men. I met my wife, I said, can we go out Friday or Saturday? She said, I got a boyfriend. I said, Friday or Saturday? You ain't said nothing to me. She said, I said, Friday or Saturday. She said, I got a boyfriend. I said, do you believe in the Bible? That was my next question. Do you believe in the Bible? She said, yeah, I believe in the Bible. I said, there's only three categories in the Bible. Single, married, and divorced. God don't care about your boyfriend and neither do I. Friday or Saturday. I know what I came here for. Fr- Friday or Saturday? You, when we going out? She said, I don't think my boyfriend's going like that. I said, where he at? Where your boyfriend at? He, we were living in Boston, Massachusetts at the time on College campus. He was living in Atlanta. I said, it don't seem like he could get here in time to stop me from taking you out on Friday or Saturday. She said, You shorter than me. I said, Friday or Saturday? I, Am I not making myself clear? I I do not care what you say to me. The only thing I'm saying to you is you got two options, baby. Friday or Saturday. That woman is my wife today. Is there a picture of my family? Friday or Saturday produced a -a two-and-a-half-year-old boy. That's called single guy at a Christian college faith. I don't care what you said. The context of this situation lets me know I'm in there. <laughs> Come on. Can I preach to your faith tonight? All we're going to do is we're just going to take one passage of Scripture. We're just going to put it in context. Can we do that? We're just going to take one passage of Scripture that you know well. A passage of Scripture that is famous, actually. If you've been saved longer than, than two weeks, you know the story of David and Goliath. Uh, David and Goliath is an iconic moment where David goes from anonymity into national fame. Uh, David and Goliath is a story that we have made about giants, but I am going to show you once we put this thing in context that it has little to do with giants and a whole lot to do with the weapon that David was after. David and Goliath. Uh, The story of David and Goliath can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, And and if we were going to take it out of context, then I would leave it right there in 1 Samuel chapter 17, but we're going to put it into so we gotta back, 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 back up to 1 Samuel chapter 13 to create some context. You know the frustration of being taken out of context. I know the frustration of being out of, taken out of context. Well, guess what? Nobody gets taken out of context more than God. If I could count the amount of women that I've seen head to a yoga class with some Lululemon pants on and a latte from Starbucks talking about I can do all things through Christ. <laughs> who gives me strength. (laughs) I'd be a rich man if I had a dollar for every woman I've seen. You don't know what Paul was talking about. You don't know who the Philippians are. You have no context for why Paul wrote these words, but you know what's gonna help you get through your yoga class, okay? I ain't mad at you, okay? God gets taken out of context a lot. But come on, I believe that we've got so much reverence for the word of God at this church that we actually wanna put God back into... Context, context. So we're gonna back, back, back up. Instead of starting the story at 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're gonna start at 1 Samuel chapter 13. We're just gonna move four chapters into the past and we're gonna get some context surrounding this story. 1 Samuel chapter 13, we're gonna start reading in verse 19. 1 Samuel chapter 13, we're gonna start reading in verse 19. I feel like I've already been preaching. I I feel like, anybody feel, I've been cooking. I hope y'all been eating, okay? (laughs) Um, 1 Samuel chapter 13, we'll throw it up on the screens. Uh, if there's a word that I don't say, you can say the word that I don't say. 1 Samuel chapter 13, we're going to start reading at verse 19. Uh, it says this, not a, black oh, come on, that was half of you. Come on, everybody. Not a, black ooh, black people, you sound good. Let's go. Not a, black could be found in the whole land of? Israel. Because the who? Because the Philistines, some people said Philistines, some people said Philistines. I like both. (laughs) Let's go. Uh, Because the Philistines had said, what do they say? What do they say? They say that otherwise the Hebrews will make. Or. We got to stop right there. We got to stop right there. We got to stop right there. Because the enemy has already defeated the people of Israel. They're already what? Defeated. 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 But the enemy is not content to simply defeat you. The enemy knows that his days of defeat over you are temporary and numbered if he does not also disarm you. So the enemy takes away the blacksmiths, the swords, the spears and the weapons, because the enemy don't just want to defeat you, he wants to disarm you. Now here's the point where I'm gonna dismiss all the Pharisees. You a Pharisee, you can check out. But for the rest of us who have been defeated by some anger, defeated by some depression, defeated by some lust, defeated by a temper, (laughs) defeated by debt, come on, defeated by your flesh. If you've been defeated, I understand that what the enemy does once he's defeated you is now he wants to fill your life with shame so that before you walk into a sanctuary like this he reminds you of all the things you've done and who you're not and all your resume of ratchetness because he's not content to simply de- defeat you he wants to disarm you, and he understands that worship is a weapon. He understands that praise is power. And I wonder, are there any people in the room that you've been defeated, but you will not be disarmed? (laughs) Baby, I've been defeated. I may not be able to control every time my flesh defeats me, but the one thing I can control is whether I enter into his courts with thanksgiving and enter into his gates with praise, and I'll worship from a defeated place. Oh, I may be depressed, but I'm going to lift up holy hands. I may be anxious, but I'm still going to lift up my voice. I'll offer God praise even in the middle of defeat. CCC see, 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 can I give you a secret can I give you a secret? Yeah. Come on black people can I give you a secret? Yeah. The angels can sing way better than you They can sing better than anybody up on this stage Can sing better than me can sing better than you angels can sing way better than you can sing an octave You ain't even heard and they never get tired of singing the same song holy 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 is the Lord God I've just been singing at forever. But the angels, oh, help me, Holy Ghost, but the angels can't worship better than us because no angel has ever worshiped for the blood. No angel has ever worshiped for Calvary. The first time an angel fell into defeat, God created hell for him and all of his demons. When you fell into defeat, God sent his son to be the perfect sacrifice for your defeat. So I don't need to offer God my perfection because a perfect lamb was slain in my place. I may be defeated, but I will not be disarmed. I may be defeated, But I'm going to lift up my voice and use the weapon I got. Somebody give God a shot of praise in this place. Defeated, but not disarmed. Defeated, but not disarmed. Here we go. The next time the enemy reminds you of your past, can you do me a favor and remind him of his future? He's a defeated foe, a toothless lion, and he is under your feet. I need a good amen right there. Come on, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Y'all distracting me. I got ADHD. (laughs) Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of? No blacksmiths because the Philistines have said, otherwise they'll make swords or spears. Verse 20, so all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plow points, mattocks, axes, and sickles sharpened. They don't even trust these jokers with farm tools. Verse 21, and they're charging them to sharpen the farm tools. The price was two thirds of a shekel for sharpening plow points and mattocks. I'm done with the enemy charging me. Oh, come on. We declare that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. That God is gonna unlock a supernatural business idea so that you stop having to pay wicked people for your business. Okay, here we go. We're just, we just, we just trying to read the Bible. We're just trying to read the Bible. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plow points and mattocks and a third of a shekel for sharpening goads and axes and repointing goads. Okay, thank you. Verse 22. So on the day of the... On the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. This is the context for David's iconic battle with Goliath. This is not a story about giants. This, this is where I'm going to tell you my title, and and I hope that this is not just a title. I don't want you to just hear this with your ears. I need you to get this with your spirit, because I want this to be your mantra for the remainder of 2024. I can see David in my holy imagination pacing back and forth, staring at the 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 the, the, the thing in his eyesight, and and I can see him going back and forth, saying, "I see it, I 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 see it." Everybody else is going we see it too his name is goliath (laughs) and david goes no you don't see what i see 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 here we go here's my title here's my title i see my sword (laughs) I see my sword. Oh, I'm ready to preach this thing because you've been seeing giants, which is why you've been scared. But can I declare over your life that every giant that God has allowed to come into your life is there to bless you with the next weapon that you need. And you better stop seeing giants and start seeing swords. I see my sword. Woo! Because God is not gonna Amazon Prime a sword to your house. You want your prayer life to go to the next level. You wanna move from speaking in English to speaking in other tongues. You want the gift of prophecy to get unlocked. Then you better look forward to every giant that is gonna come into your life and your perspective needs to shift from I see giants to I see swords. I don't see giants, I see my sword. I see my sword. Operative word, my. I see my sword. Don't know why Goliath's holding it. See, 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 you see how context is giving us a perspective on this passage. Because, here we go, if Goliath was a midget, David still would've killed him. (laughs) Him being a giant ain't got nothing to do with nothing. He was there to get a weapon. He was there because he was tired of throwing rocks. There because he finally needed his artillery to get upgraded. Because there's millions of Israelites at this point in history, probably hundreds of thousands of soldiers and two swords. Two. Saul got a sword. Jonathan got a sword until a crazy little dude named David was like, I'm about to get my sword today. I don't know what Goliath talking about, but he made one mistake. He should have kept that sword in his tent. Because, baby, when he brought that sword out, all he did was provoke me to kill him so that I could get the sword that God wants to release into my life. How do I know that David came there for a sword? Here we go. Because there are no more stories of David using a slingshot, or a rock after this. If this was David's favorite way to fight people, there'd be a plethora of stories. No, after this moment, every decisive battle, after this, David will say this to anybody that's commanding the army, go get Goliath's sword for me. Go get the sword that I fought to get. How do I know that the story is actually about a sword? Get this, because when David releases the sling and the stone, it hits Goliath in the head, and Goliath dies. He dead. This is a good time for the story to be over. This, This is a great place for the credits to roll. For David to leave, go back home. You did your job, you killed the giant. But David doesn't leave. Once the stone gets lodged in the forehead of Goliath and he dies, David then runs over to the giant to finish the job, because he never came there to kill a giant. He came there to collect his property. He came there to get back what the (laughs) devil took from him. Oh, we declare that God's gonna restore the years that the locusts have eaten, and you better declare over your own life, I. See. My. Sword. I. See. My. Sword. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. I see my sword. I see my sword. I see that the giant of anxiety is holding the sword of my peace. That the giant of depression is holding the sword of my joy. I had to decide, Pastor Ethan, that in the middle of five years of doctors saying we would never get pregnant, I remember being at a hospital visit and we had tried multiple different fertility clinics and we had had a miscarriage and we had gone through heartbreak. I was almost in tears with the video and you shouldn't show videos like that before people got to get up to preach because I got emotional and, and I had to get myself together uh, because I understand the trauma of having a miscarriage and losing your baby and having hope and believing God. And, and I remember one day the doctor was telling me that we would never get pregnant, that it would never happen. And I remember, I just got an attitude and was like, you uncircumcised Philistine. What you know? What you know? Let me help you. The doctor only knows the facts. They can give you a whole lot of facts. The loan officer can give you facts. The real estate agent can give you facts. Come on, that business consultant can give you but they can't give you the truth. The truth is that God is Jehovah Rapha, that he knows how to heal you, that he knows every cell in your body, that he can restore stuff that the doctor said was broken. And my son is two and a half years old right now. Because I didn't see a giant, I saw a sword. I saw an opportunity for God to work a miracle. I didn't see the obstacle, I saw the opportunity. I need you to see this. I saw that the giant of infertility was holding the sword of my legacy. I remember the doctor left the room. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I squeezed my wife's hand and I said, I see it, I see it, I see it. She said, what? I said, I see my sword. I see my sword. I said, the 800 square foot apartment we live in ain't gonna do it we need to go buy a 2,500-square-foot home. Because right now, we've not even given God anything to fill. I need you to get this. We out here praying for rain, we ain't even never built an ark. How dare you pray for stuff you ain't prepared for? I said, we need to buy a house, we need to buy a house, we need to buy a house. We, we, need, we need to make rooms. Every time we created a, a, a tradition, every time the doctor gave us bad news, we went to Target. One, because Target's awesome. First time we went to Target, tears in my eyes, went and bought a crib. Second time we went to Target, bought a diaper genie. Next time we went to Target, just bought onesies, bought a stroller. By the time we got pregnant, there was nothing left to put on the baby registry. I was like, I would already got all the stuff. I got everything I needed in faith. I even got a dad bod in faith, but then I had to lose it anyway. Can I ask you a hard question? Do you see giants or do you see a sword? Do you see a giant or do you see a sword? I, I want to shift your perspective. You see how all we did was we put this in context. But here we go. Can, can we go a little bit deeper? It's a little bit deeper, and then we're going to close. There's some of us, uh-oh, uh-oh. There's some of us, you can see the sword. It's just that the sword has become an idol. Because most things that end in idolatry start as a promise from God. This is why we have to create language to delineate things that are sinful versus things that are idolatrous. Because ministry is what I'm called to do, but ministry can become an idol very, very quickly. Ministry in and of itself is not sinful. Ministry is a good thing, but ministry can become idolatrous if I put it on an altar or if I put it on a pedestal instead of putting it on an altar. I can see my sword And then all I talk about is the sword that I don't got. Oh, don't act like you don't know these people. (laughs) I didn't have no father. I didn't have no mother. I didn't have this and I didn't have that. Can you think about them around the campfire? Yo, we remember the days when we used to have swords. (laughs) So bitter and upset and disappointed and the sword you don't have that you're not even maximizing the sling and the stone that you do have. What happens when you have idolatry is you have tunnel vision and you can't even maximize the potential of the things you have because you've made such an idol out of what you don't have. When me and my wife were going through infertility, the first couple of years, we were real immature. We needed to grow, because the giant is there to help you mature. The brother on the screen said, James, right? G- that God doesn't want you to be uh, immature, but mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's why he allows trials in your life, so that you can mature. In the first three years of infertility, we were immature. So, so my wife wouldn't go to church on Mother's Day, I wouldn't go to church on Father's Day, here we go millennial word, because it was triggering. Triggered. I'm, I'm so triggered. No, you're immature. You're a child. Stop calling it something different. I'm triggered, I'm just, I'm triggered. No, you're a kid, you're a toddler. You're not triggered, you're a toddler. And then we got mature. My wife took over all of Mother's Day festivities for the whole church. I took over all of Father's Day festivities for the whole church. Me and my wife found couples in the church that had children and we gave them date nights and we babysat their children. My wife found single mamas in the church and started braiding their girl's hair in faith that what I make happen for others, God will make happen for me. I want to teach you a principle. I cannot go where I refuse to sow. I cannot become a parent if I refuse to bless parents. And in my immaturity, I could see my sword, but I idolized that thing. Being a dad is the only thing I cared about. And I had tunnel vision. You know you can be such in faith for something that it becomes an idol for you. Meanwhile, while you are blinded by the sword, you can't even see. There's a slingshot and a rock right in front of you. It's funny because 2019, December of 2019, I quit my job. I had 73 speaking engagements in 2019. For those of you who need context, there's only 52 weeks in a year. That's multiple speaking engagements per week. Plus, I had a full-time job as a youth pastor at a church. I got to the end of the year, had to make a hard decision. I'm either going to stop taking speaking engagements and be the youth pastor here, or I'm just going to leave my direct deposit and my health insurance (laughs) and my benefit package and believe, God, that churches are going to book me to speak, be generous so that I can pay my mortgage. Well, I made the leap. January 2020, I made the leap as a full-time evangelist. Oh, man, it was awesome. Churches were generous, we were booked and busy. Paid my mortgage, my wife was happy. February of 2020, oh baby, we was booked and busy. Churches was generous, paid my mortgage, my wife was happy. March 15th. Tom Hanks wanna go get COVID. We all went home. I don't know if you remember, but that was the moment we all just took it seriously. It was like, not Tom. (laughs) Not Tom. Tom Hanks got COVID. They shut the NBA down. They shut Disney down. Tom, Tom was the straw that broke the camel's back. Tom got it. We was like, oh, man. 2020 was going to be the year that I spoke in Australia at Hillsong Church for the first time. (laughs) Cancelled because of COVID-19. So from April, May, June, if you came to visit me at my house, guess what? I'll be sulking. Anyone who would listen, I had 35 cancellations. I'm supposed to be on the road right now. This weekend, I'm supposed to be in Phoenix, Arizona preaching. It's canceled. Come on. The only thing I talked about was the sword I did not have. Just bitter, angry, upset. And here we go. Then God starts asking you annoying questions like this. But what do you have, though? You are so focused on what you don't have. What do you have? You so focus on a father you don't got, the mother you don't got, the children you don't got, the business you don't got, the speaking engagements you don't got, that you can't even see what you got. 16 waking hours every single day to bless the name of the Lord. I'm in my garage, and I'm like, well, Lord, I got a dusty old camera that costs $600, two kids from the youth group who'll do whatever I tell them to do, Just two kids, just two kids. They'll do anything I tell them to do, and one of them smell bad. <laughs> I don't know if I want to even involve him, you know what I'm saying? Why teenagers smell like that? <laughs> I got a camera, these two teenagers who will volunteer. I, I got a couple hundred young adults at our church deconstructing leaving the faith with questions that nobody's answering, and I have a bachelor's degree in biblical studies and theology, a master's degree in biblical studies and theology, and I'm working on a doctorate in biblical studies and theology. What if I created a streaming platform, a subscription-based platform with an app that people could pay $13 a month to and get biblically literate? And what if I turn my garage into a studio? and turn that camera and got them kids from that youth group to press record. (laughs) Here we go, I need you to get this powerful question. What if? What if? What if instead of complaining about the speaking engagements I don't have, I pick up the camera I do have, use the degree I do have, get them two teenagers that I do have, and explain some stuff to these annoying young adults that I do have? What if I did that instead? What if I used the garage that I do have? Oh, get this, fast forward to 2024. That little project that started in my garage, the little thing I was working on during COVID, today, that platform has over 4,000 monthly subscribers that all pay us $13 a month and it brings in $50,000 of monthly recurring revenue, every single month. And I have used that stone to kill the Goliath of biblical illiteracy, one church at a time. And every church got young adults that are deconstructing. And every church got people who are confused about things in the Bible. And every church got people who come hear sermons but have never read the Bible for themselves. And I finally got tired of complaining about the opportunities that had passed me by i got tired of being bitter i got tired of complaining about what i don't got how long you gonna talk about the mama you didn't have that's the excuse for why you're a bad wife you've been telling your husband that for 10 years (laughs) well you know i didn't have no mama shut up (laughs) shut up So all you got is what you don't got? You're telling me you go to this church and ain't no older woman at the church can teach you how to have some common sense and keep your man? I ain't getting no amens. Okay, cool. Okay. Amen, Pastor Manny, that was good, that was. Here's a funny thing, especially in church, because if I said, how long you gonna talk about the dad you didn't have and start being a good husband, the whole church would be in an (laughs) uproar. Amen, amen. Make it about a woman, it's like, mm. Come on, the worship team can join me. The worship team can join me. Here we go. Two questions tonight. Here's the first one. I want to know who I'm preaching to. You've been so focused on the giant, you haven't seen the sword. Come on. Who am I preaching to? So focused on the obstacle, you can't even see the opportunity. Come on, wave at me. Come on, wave at me. Because we want to ignite faith in you today. Here we go, here's the next group. You can see the sword. You've identified the sword, but it's just become, you are, have become obsessed with the very thing God actually wants to bless you with. Come on, can we, let's uncover the secret of the enemy. Here's the secret scheme of the enemy. Here's what he says to Adam and Eve. God knows that when you eat of the tree, you'll what, be like God. Guess what? they were already like God. The enemy only tempts you with stuff that already lives on the inside of you. He tempts you with your purpose, with your destiny. Can I be real? The devil ain't never tempted me to be a plumber. Never. Now, God bless the plumbers. Y'all get paid well. When I learn what y'all get paid, I was a little bit more tempted than before, but the devil never rose up like, you want to plumb? Never, never, it's never happened. Never been tempted to plumb. But you want to know what I have been tempted to do? I've served three senior pastors at three different churches. I know that planting a church and leading a church is in my future Because I see my sword you want to know what I'm tempted to do at every church I've been at take the authority of the senior pastor that is not mine to have You see the enemy can only tempt you with the destiny that already lives on the inside of you So there's a lot of us You've allowed the vision of the sword to become a source of temptation Now all you see is the sword. And God is saying, as long as you're focused on that, you'll never see what you got. Because it's human nature to overemphasize what you would do with what you don't have. Meanwhile, underestimating what you could do with what you got in your hand at your disposal. Come on, what does he say to Moses? What's in your hand? This, this just a stick. Go ahead and throw it down. It'll become a snake. You'll hold it over the Red Sea. It'll part the sea. Come on, what does he say to the widow? What you got in your house? I only got a couple of pots. Well, go borrow more. Because as long as you got pots, the oil will keep on flowing. What you got? I got two fish and five loaves. Oh, if you give it to me, I'll split it and I'll break it and multiply it. It'll feed the thousands. The miracle starts with what you got. David, what you got? I wish I had a sword, but I will use the sling and the stone that I got right here. Come on, who am I preaching to? You've identified a sword, but it's become an idol. a good thing. It's a good thing. God wants to give it to you, but it's still become an idol. I want to pray for you. I want to first make an invitation. I almost forgot. We started this platform called ARMA. Your pastor told me to tell you, okay, there we go. We started this platform called ARMA to help people to become biblically literate. You can throw up, there's a picture of a boy named Xavier. Um, I was at a church in Las Vegas and uh, we always invite people to become ARMA subscribers to sow $13 into becoming a biblically literate person. Um, And and this little boy, Xavier, his parents, are Chris and Jasmine, and I preach at their church a lot. Well, just like this kind of service, Chris and Jasmine decided to get an armor subscription for themselves. Well, Chris woke up every morning, It's a good dad, woke up every morning and started watching our courses. He started with Matthew. He went to Mark, he went to Luke, he went to John. He would do it every single morning. Well, guess who watched him do that every morning? His son, Xavier, his five-year-old son, Xavier. His five-year-old son, Xavier, after about six months, asked his father for his own subscription. This picture is Xavier at a Starbucks watching my course on John, watching me teach John chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I saw on the back end of our website that Xavier, five years old, who just turned six, was watching our course on homosexuality. We have a three-hour course on homosexuality. So I immediately reached out to his parents, Chris and Jasmine. Hey, you know Xavier's watching a homosexuality course. Here's what Jasmine said, this is his mom. He said, we just put him in public school, Pastor Manny, and we want him to watch your course on homosexuality because there's no way we are gonna allow our boy to get brainwashed with the garbage that's being taught in a public school and not know what the Bible says about sex and sexuality. Ooh, you know what's true about this boy? We'll never have to repair him, because we pre him with a biblical worldview. Xavier is now six years old. Me and Ron were just at this church in December, and I got to hug him and congratulate him for going through all the courses. Hey, if a six-year-old can do it, guess what? You got this, you can do it. No excuses. Our courses are about two to three hours, but get this. Each session, 12 minutes long. Here's what I would ask. That you would invest the $13. Why? Because when you pay, you pay attention. Invest the $13 a month. Right now I'm paying 40, $45,000 to be in seminary. 13 bucks is a discount. I take seminary level content and make it entertaining and palatable. Um, This story would never happen if it wasn't for a good father named Chris, who prioritized reading the Bible with his boy every single morning. You can throw up the QR code. If you scan the QR code, you can get signed up for ARMA. Who's in? Who's like, you know what, Pastor Manny? Yeah, why wouldn't I? Every single month, we put out a brand new course, every month. At the top of the month, we release a brand new course. Um, And here's the deal, maybe you're in the room and you're saying, I don't think I would use that subscription. Well, starting in 2024, we're partnering with God Behind Bars because my father was incarcerated for 18 years and I wish somebody would have taught the Bible to my dad. Maybe he wouldn't have taken me to a crack house when I was five. We're partnering with God Behind Bars to give inmates and men and women who are incarcerated biblical literacy courses. And so maybe you're like, I don't think I would use that. Honestly, your $13 could actually go a long way. Uh, So go ahead if you need to scan that QR code scan that QR code if you get signed up tonight You can get signed up on your phone if you do that tonight We will give you a free gift as you leave you'll get this copy of a W Tozer's book the pursuit of God This book lit me on fire when I was a freshman in college. It's a great book I did not write this a W Tozer wrote this book as you leave all you have to do is go out to the lobby, flash your confirmation at one of us, we'll hand a book into your hands and congratulate you on your journey of being biblically literate. Um, Because guess what my life's passion is? Putting the Bible in context. That's my passion. Putting the Bible in context. If you need help getting the Bible into context, then scan that QR code, get signed up. You can... Leave that QR code up there. Who's, who's getting signed up on the phone right now? You're like, I'm doing it. Awesome, awesome. Hey, two groups, everybody on their feet. Everybody on their feet. Two groups. First group. Actually, man, I feel this. I just wanna be obedient to the Holy Ghost. You're believing God for kids. Can you just get down here? I rarely do this. I understand. Sometimes the shame and the embarrassment of struggling to get pregnant. And so sometimes I don't like doing altar calls for that, but I feel the Holy Ghost. I don't care if it's one person, uh, one couple or two, I don't really care. You've been believing God to get pregnant. I believe there's an anointing in the house for healing and breakthrough. If that's you, come on, get down here. Get down here as fast as you can. You've been believing God for babies. Come on, we declare over your life, you're healed. From the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, I don't care what the doctors are saying, we're gonna stand with you in faith. If that's you, we believe. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Get as close as you can. Come on, we declare healing over your life, healing over your body. We declare faith, come on. We put jumper cables of faith to you. We declare right now that the devil is a liar. I don't know what the enemy's been saying, but we declare that healing is the children's bread. Come on, we declare right now by the power of the blood of Jesus, y'all are gonna have babies. Come on, you're gonna bring kids home. Come on, we declare right now, you don't need to act like it's not something you want to protect yourself. Come on, I know this is a vulnerable moment, but we ask God for healing Supernatural healing, come on, breakthrough in the room. God, we thank you right now by faith that it's already done. We declare sons and daughters. We declare your last name's not gonna get lost in the earth. We declare legacy is gonna come into your household. Come on, I don't know what the doctors are saying, but we know what the spirit of the living God is saying, that you will live. Come on, we declare that the Lord said, be fruitful and multiply. God, we declare over your life today, You're going to start preparing for some miracles. You didn't break all those generational curses for nothing. You broke generational curses so that your babies and your grandbabies could walk in freedom. Can we just begin to praise the Lord? Come on, for those that are down here. Come on. Come on. He's more than able. Come on. Who believes he's more than able tonight? Come on, God. We thank you for miracles, signs wonders God we thank you for healing we declare it's already done you are more. More. If you just need, I mean, you need an impartation of faith, just go ahead, get down here. You need an impartation of faith. Don't know what you're dealing with, but fear and doubt is trying to cloud your judgment, and you need an impartation of faith. We need to get down here, I wanna lay hands on you, and we are gonna sing this song, and we declare that faith is gonna rise in the room. We declare faith is contagious. And my question is can you imagine come on with all the faith in the room if there's this amount of faith in the room baby your problem is not an issue faith is going to get on you come on we declare contagious faith over your life come on let's sing this out can you imagine say, can you imagine
1: hey. with all of the faith
0: shot of praise. Come on, can you give him praise like it's already done? Come on, praise was never designed to go at the end of the miracle. Praise was designed to go before the miracle. So if you got an impartation of faith tonight, can you give God a shot of praise? Vibrant Church, I love
1: Said you are more than able hey. we trust in your name tonight sing you, you are more
2: Can you imagine, can you imagine, can you imagine, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ask or even think, in other words I can do something bigger than you've ever formulated in your head according to the power that works in us. Look at that right there on the wall. Can you imagine?
1: With all of the faith in the room what the Lord can
2: do. Come on, you're in a moment the right Lord now. Do. We're about to close He's out revival, but some of you have She's waited for this way, moment. Make it Come He's on, just from move. your own spirit,
0: from He's your own heart move. tonight,
2: hey. one
1: final worship can to the imagine? King. During revival. With all of the faith in the room. What the Lord can do. What the Lord can do. This is gonna, gonna happen. Just, Just let, let the way, way make, it, make it, it through. He's gonna move. Hey, He's gonna move. Can you? Can you imagine? Thought of the faith in the room, what the Lord can do.
2: Thank you, what Jesus. What the Lord can do. It's going to happen. 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 What a mighty word Pastor Manny brought tonight. Something we needed. What a powerful way to end out revival. To walk out of here knowing that he can still do the impossible—it's amazing. You know what blows my God blows my mind. I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm not making this up. Hand on the King James Bible. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me on month, on Tuesday. I am not making this up. I was getting ready for church. And it popped in my heart that on, that on Thursday night, pray for people to have children. I'm not making that up. It's a promise to God. I am not making that up. When I was sitting down there, I thought I'm going to, I may do that. I was sitting there thinking it. And when he said, I got to obey the Holy Spirit, I immediately knew God's in the house. You just wait and see. For those couples that came up here, I'm gonna believe God with you. God can do the impossible. No one moving around, every eye closed. I don't wanna close revival without giving you the opportunity that if you are far from God, if you don't know Jesus Christ, experience the greatest revival from death to life. If you don't know Jesus or you've gotten away from him, now is the time, now is the moment. Today's the day of salvation. If you're joining us online, I want you to be a part of this as well. If you've drifted from God or now is the moment you need to come back home to Jesus, can I tell you, he's ready for you. He died for you. He's ready to welcome you with open arms. Well, what about what I've done and what about what I said? It ain't about that. Any man that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And with eyes closed, I want to count to three. I want to count to three, and I want you to throw that hand up. It's not for me, it's for you and your faith, thing. you know what, here I am, God. If that's you, it may just be one, but I want to give you that opportunity to say yes to Christ, and we're gonna seal up revival with salvation. Come on, somebody. If you're ready to make that decision to come home, prodigal son, you've ran long enough, are you ready? prodigal daughter, today God is calling you home. One, two, three. Hands going up all over, look at this, look at this church. Going up all over, come on, come on, this is it. All over this room. Come on, keep them up. Come on church, look at those hands. People saying yes to Jesus Christ at revival. Oh my goodness, we gotta pray. Let's all pray this prayer together in the spirit of faith, all of you in the room and joining us online. Say, Dear God, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean with your blood. Make me new and I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And this church said, welcome to the family. to the family, I said welcome to the family. Man, we thank God for all that he has done this week. I don't even know how to describe the last three days other than to God be the glory. Hey, God be the glory. Now listen, Pastor Tyson, you know what we, we know what we ought to do? You should wrap us up with a um, rattle. Rattle? That's what we opened up with? Why don't we just praise party out of here tonight? You can give on your way out. We love you. You are dismissed but just two or three
1: people around you tell them it was good to see you at Revival 2024.